welcome to Clamp, the weekly podcast where we discuss all things related to creating, living, and making projects. I'm your host, Grant Alexander, and joining me as always is Maker Mackey and Jesse Ratfink. Hello and welcome. Today, we wanted to talk about this fatal flaw that some people have and or the opposite of it where it might be a good thing. And that's trying to make all of your hobbies into a business. <laughs> so I want to go back to high school. Imagine it. You don't have any money because you're in high school. And everything that you and you find you love, like you, you turn out that you enjoy doing something that is like, for me, I enjoyed airbrushing. And you can make money airbrushing. And I really enjoyed it rushing, and I went, I'd like money, right? I'd like to buy things that I can't afford because I'm in high school. So I opened up a business, airbrushing things. I called it Atmospheric Airbrushing. I had posters made and everything. So Designed fancy. a whole thing in Photoshop 3. Um, anyways, all that to say, really fun. Did That was all fun. Designing up posters, fun. Doing the like graphic design portion, great. Loved that aspect. As soon like I got my first client, the thing they wanted, I did not want to paint. I said, <laughs> this sucks. And, and I just, so I did it and it took forever. And I just, like, I could not get motivated to do it. The money just didn't seem to gel with how much I, I really wanted to do it. So then I was like, okay, next time I'll. You know, negotiate a little better. Did a couple more, and I hated every aspect of it. And I hated turning that hobby into a business. Because sometimes that ruins your hobby. Mm-hmm. And Adam and Jesse have had similar experiences. So I want, you know, we wanted to talk about it. Is it, are you ruining your hobby by trying to make it into a business? Or... Is it like in office space when they talked about like, you know, if you meet with your guidance counselor and they ask you, what would you do if you were, if you, you know, had a million dollars, which isn't a lot of money now, but if you were independently wealthy, what would you do? And if they said, if you'd fix old cars, you should become a mechanic, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I don't think I would want to become a mechanic, even though I might enjoy fixing gold cards if I had nothing better to do with my time, like if I didn't need to make money, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So anyways, I'll pass it over to you too, which whoever wants to go first. Growing up, I was always told not to make your hobby, um, your full-time job. Interesting. And that always stuck with me until I tried to make my hobby, my full-time job. And the whole, the whole point was it is that your hobby is meant to be like your escape, Right. If you make it your full time job, you've le- you've then lost that. You've lost your escape. You- it's just something you have to do every day. Mm-hmm. And I feel, I feel like that I, it's it's probably just my personality, but trying to make things a business, ha- for me, has just ruined everything because I put too much pressure on myself for one, and for two, I I don't like doing the same thing all the time. I recently, so yesterday, I sold my CNC. And the bigger part of me selling that is because I bought it trying to make a business because that was more just to convince my wife to let me get it, to be honest. But <laughs> I 
I, I just got over having to do all the work and it was the same repetitive tasks all the time. Yes, the thing that came out of it was different, but it was still the same process every time. And I just, I don't like having to do the same thing over and over. Are you, are you sure about that? Because I think you've rebuilt your workbench like 15 times since I've known you. No. Yeah. I'm just not happy with anything. <laughs> Seems like you like to do the same thing over and over. I like my, I like my current workbench. But that's store-bought. Yeah. I just don't like anything that I make, I guess. Fair. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, for me, it's it's very much the same. It's the pressure I put on myself that sort of kills the whole process. And it's pressure I put on myself even in my daily job. Like, pretty much hobby job, daily job, anything, I bring the pressure to myself and make myself miserable. Very good at that. I think that there are some people who just really thrive in that chaos and like constant deadlines. And I am not <laughs> one of those people. Like when my embroidery business started getting really, really busy, I was not like confident enough to up my prices or make like wait times longer, you know, like, oh, this is going to take one to two weeks because I have 13 other people in front of you or whatever. I was never strong enough to do that. And so I just right. kept myself in a very high pressure situation at all times. It was so miserable. And yeah, I think it's it's a lot about how confident someone is <laughs> um, in themselves and what they're doing, because I, I tend to lack that all the time. Right. And, and this brings me back to my airbrushing business is I, what I actually think the problem was, was not that I didn't want to do what other people were doing is that I didn't feel confident in their, whatever their design was. Mm -hmm. So I didn't want to, I didn't want to like the things I was airbrushing. Once you painted it, it was done. Like there was no repainting something. So they were remote control car bodies. You paint them from the inside. Mm -hmm. So as soon as you put any paint, you can't take the paint off. It's done, right? You got to buy a new one. So if you screw one up, you got to buy a new one, right? And if you screw two up, now you've made no money, right? And this is where where <laughs> yeah. I think the actual problem was is I tried to turn it into a business before I should have turned it into a business, right? Like yeah, a lot of people into, do that too. <laughs> yeah. They jump into a Definitely. new hobby and they immediately start going, how can I make money on this hobby? Mm -hmm. Yep. And in reality, what you got to do is like figure out, is this something I really want to do for money? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I know so many people like from where I grew up, it's all everybody is like hustling all the time. There's all these MLMs everywhere and everybody's like making jewelry and trying to sell it online or buying stuff at antique shops and trying to sell it on eBay. And it's yeah, it's just this constant mindset of like everything that I do needs to be profitable. <laughs> and it's just, yep. I understand it because, you know, and there are a lot of places here in the U.S. where you struggle to make ends meet with like a 40-hour a week job. So I totally understand it, but whew, it's just, it's too much <laughs> after a little while. Yeah. And and I think, I think that's the, I think if you're comfortable and, and, you know, I've talked, I've listened to the Brian House talk on the Work For It podcast a lot about like, you know, people who are comfortable may not be like working for it. And it's like, yeah, they, they're not. But at the same time, sometimes if you're comfortable, then you can enjoy your hobbies, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of second generation or third generation 
uh, wealth, like those people who inherit a lot of money, guess what they end up wanting to do? Artists. Open a business? And, no, no, they don't want to open a business. They want to do nothing but business. They want to do artistry. They want to be like, uh, they want to take the opposite end because they don't need to work. And so they're not working for it. And they're, they're, they're seen as lazy, but they're not lazy. Humans don't want to work. Like, <laughs> we don't. It's not in our genes to want to work. And I know people are going to say, no, it's in mine. And like, yeah, I get like you want to be busy and you want to have uh, things accomplished because of what you do. But you don't want uh, you don't want to you want to do the things that you want to do. Yeah. Right. Like if I'm quoting Weezer here. Right. Uh, <laughs> I want to do the things that I want to do. I'm, you know, I, I don't want to. I don't know. I don't want to do what someone else wants me to do. And I think that's where I think entrepreneurs can do really well with turning their hobby into a business is if they really feel passionate about something and that's actually what they want to do, then yes, it makes sense. I think so. The whole reason why I thought about this topic is I foreshadowed it last week, but I have decided to for the foreseeable future, give up on YouTube and let's not say give up because it's, I don't want to make out that I'm quitting, but I think that with YouTube, I tried, it got to a point where I was like, I need to make this a business. Otherwise I'm just wasting my time. And then I was trying too hard to do what other people want me or what I think other people would want to see and want me to do. And that's Mm -hmm. where I lost interest in it. Whereas since I stopped doing YouTube, I've just been fucking around in the shop, doing whatever I want, just, playing and taking my time and I feel so much happier in that I've got my hobby back because I don't have that stress over myself of like oh people aren't going to be interested in this mm-hmm. right well, so, and that's you know I hear a lot of people like a lot of the bigger names go you know should this be content and we've had that conversation before about like you know should like I know Bob from I like to make stuff talks about a lot like he wants to just make something and he doesn't need to, doesn't always want to make it a video, but he's yeah, constantly exactly. worried. Like, am I spending this time making this thing? Should it be a video? And now you're like overthinking and overanalyzing whether yeah. or not your hobby should be a business. And, yeah. uh, I also, I know this is going to sound, this is going to sound weird, but I like to dodge things. I like to be dodgy. In the sense of, so I'm revamped this desk. And when you see it, when I actually put pictures up and stuff, you'll understand what I'm saying. But it was, it's a cheap desk from Kmart. And I replaced the top with the old drawing desk that we had. And then on the front, there's like a, there's a shelf a little bit further down from the top. And it's all like made out of chipboard and everything. And what I've done is I've put draw fronts on there, which are actually just on hinges that fold down. <laughs> that I can then access in. So they're like fake draw fronts. But if yeah. I was making YouTube videos, I would have to actually make drawers. And why? Because I just, I don't know. In my head, I'm like, people are going to be really judgy of like, why would you do it like that? Like, just put drawers on it. Like, I don't know. No, I like this, this idea. This is like, this is, this this is, is a life hack. Yeah, I don't <laughs> yeah. know. I just, I just feel like I, when I make like YouTube videos and stuff, that I can't do the dodgy things that I, I'm happy with, like, I'm happy with them how they are. 
Whereas I feel like people are going to be like, that's not the right way to do it. You shouldn't do that. Have you gotten a lot of those comments, though? I don't get Be honest. Exactly. So you're worried about something that doesn't happen. And this is where a lot of people, when they're thinking about what what stops them from turning it into a business and to turn it the other way, is they worry about things that likely are not going to happen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? Me, Every time totally. I've made something recently, I always, I'm always too busy worrying about what people are going to think about it to actually what needs to be done. Right, and and so that is one reason to not take your hobby into a business. Hmm. Right. So I I recently had a Facebook reel that's going big, and it's me using a table saw, my table saw, to resaw wood. So it's like cut it in half the wide way. And mm-hmm. I've had people telling me that I shouldn't use a table saw. I should use a bandsaw. There are a lot of people telling me that I'm doing it wrong because I'm not using a guard or a, a riving knife. And I'm like, well, not every saw knife. has a riving knife. And yeah. it doesn't. it's not capable of accepting a riving knife on my saw. I would love a riving knife. I would absolutely love it because then I would never have to take the stupid splitter off. But I have to do, when you're doing resawing and you have to flip the you you can't if you can't do a full cut you can't put the big giant splitter on it, right? Mm. Anyways, it's very frustrating. That part's frustrating because I just go, you do do you not understand that I, I'm not doing this unsafely because I want to not use a riving knife. I think they're great. <laughs> like I'm I'm not using it because not all saws come with it. Like the original table saw was a fucking like motor and attached to a thing mounted in a saw straight up and down, right? And it, and they've evolved since then to tilt and have guards and and all this you know amazing stuff. But my, my first ever table saw was literally a circular saw screwed to a piece of MDF, <laughs> turned upside yeah. down. Exactly. Yeah. And they, I'll bet <laughs> you that table saw. That table saw is probably a lot better than your like cheap table yep. saw. That yeah, yep. <laughs> but I would never do that on YouTube because people would be like, "That is the most unsafe thing I've ever seen." That's do it because guess what? Fuck them, fuck them. That's why. Um, well, I don't know. See, like some people can handle that. They're like. I remember back in the day on Instructables when we were really trying to push for views, we would post just absurd content, just stuff that was like really weird and off the wall. And we would get a lot of engagement, but a lot of it was like bad engagement. And I feel like some people can handle it and it just doesn't bother them. But for me, uh uh-uh, no, I I cannot handle a bunch of people just chirping at me. about all the things I did wrong. And like, even though I don't post on YouTube, I worry about it. (laughs) If I ever start, you know, like, yeah, lots of worrying for sure. I I will say if you want negative comments, go on Reddit and uh, Facebook and Mm -hmm. everywhere else is generally like people talk about YouTube being negative. YouTube is not that negative. YouTube is nothing compared to Facebook. Oh yeah, Facebook is awful, which is why I'm not there. Reddit's fucking savage. I, you know what? I have, I haven't found Reddit to be that bad. But also, like, it's not as easy to post like a video to Reddit as it is to like, like the thing about like Reddit is like they downvote you for posting a video. 
It's like, mm. yeah, of course I'm posting my video. Here's the project I made. They're like, well, I don't like you posting your own. That's self, that's self-promotion. <laughs> like, it's not self yeah. Like, everything's self-promotion. post something You're- in DIY and then they have a go at you for it being DIY. I think instructables might actually be banned from DIY because they got so mad that we like people were posting stuff and wanting them to click through. So yeah, I'm pretty sure we're still banned. (laughs) Oh really? No. Unless that's recent because they, they allowed me to do my, our, like our DIY. I could link to instructables. Mm -hmm. They were, well, okay. So maybe they've relaxed. Yeah. It wasn't an auto approval though. Right. Mm. Whereas if you do uh, certain other stuff, it would be automatically approved. It wasn't automatically deleted, but it wasn't automatically approved. <laughs> and I was like, it's an instructables post. It's clearly step by step. And they're like, okay. Yeah. Okay, I'll let it through this time. Yeah. Very touchy over there. <laughs> Agreed. That's the word. Reddit, like, anyways, let's not talk. Let's not go down the Reddit hole. Let's talk more about. Are you ruining your hobby? And I don't think you're ruining your hobby. I think you're not realizing what your hobby is. And so I was watching TikTok and I saw Mark Rober was on a thing and uh, on a podcast. And he was talking to the person about, uh, you know, he still edits his videos. He still finds the story. Yeah. Wow. And he was talking about why he does that. And he does that because he got into content creation to to make those stories, right? Yeah. And he's like, that's the part that is me. And he's like, could someone do it better? And he's like, maybe they could, but it wouldn't be me. And so he said, this is why I got into it. And, and as soon as you get you, – you start having a team of people, you're not doing the thing you set out to do. You're no longer yeah. doing that thing. Now you're doing another thing, right? Now you're managing people. And I think that's the same with a lot of people who get this into a business is all of a sudden you're not doing the thing you set out to do, making stuff and videoing it and maybe even editing videos. You're going out there to drive engagement, to like you're worried about the wrong things. You're not worried about the thing that made you happy. You're not worried about the the things like you were talking about your YouTube videos, Adam, it's you're worried about what, how to drive videos and drive views and not about making a video that makes you happy. You know, we, we actually, we've talked about it in the past. Like we talked about, if you got to a point where you're going to hire someone, who would it be? And I would definitely be editing my videos until like I, it was un, unable to be done. Like I, right. I like editing. I've, that's like I find editing really fun when it's at my own accord. It's when I have a deadline, or like I couldn't edit for other people. Like with the with the podcast, yeah. for instance, like we have a deadline. It's got to be edited by a certain time every single week. That stresses me out. Whereas when I have my own videos to edit, where it doesn't matter if it doesn't get out or whatever, it doesn't bother me as much. I actually enjoy it. Yeah, well, I'm sorry to that's put always that my problem too. No, no, it's it's fine. I'm not I'm not complaining. I'm just saying that I couldn't make it a job. Like I love editing, but I wouldn't I wouldn't like to do it as a job. Yeah, me too. Yeah, as someone that is doing a lot of editing now, I kind of like it. But I'm also only doing like shorts and reels, so it's yeah. it's nothing like the podcast. 
Well, then you know what? And I think about the podcast. It really isn't that difficult because you're not doing weird transitions. You're not adding an extra. It's like one clip that you're clipping down a little bit, right? Yeah. In terms of editing, the annoying part is just like it takes as long as the podcast takes. It just takes so long. It takes longer. Well, yeah. yeah. Because like, I'm listening to the podcast and then I've got to go, like I have to cut out any silence and then go back to make sure that it doesn't sound weird. And But it, see, the good thing is the way that I edit the video, it's not that bad because I, it's so easy to just go, all right, well, I need to cut out this silence. All right, so that person had full screen. Now we'll go to a Brady Bunch or whatever. So like, I don't need yeah. those weird transitions to make it look. I, but then I'm noticing now with the reels because I'm cutting out like the tiniest little silences. I can't be switching between cameras every five seconds, every second because that's just going to be annoying to watch so you do see those jumps of people jumping yeah. where i cut stuff out in the reels that is an acceptable thing because they're so yeah. time limited that people mm-hmm. realize that you're cutting natural speech into yeah. something yeah. that isn't natural i know i am very bad at long pauses i know this because people cut me off all the fucking time <laughs> and especially at work and i've lo- i've lost it on people at work i'm like i wasn't fucking done shut the like i haven't said shut the fuck up but i basically have said shut the fuck up i wasn't fucking done speaking right to people i work with and i go i don't know how i still work here but anyways that's my all that to say yeah I, I have these long pauses and i don't know what to do about it but i know what they are what they are is me catching up to what i've already said Going, did I say all the things I wanted to say? Yes, I did. All right, let's go. Um, my, my, wife and I, my wife and I are on the way to sports yesterday afternoon with the kids in the car, and we're having a conversation. And every time I took a breath, my son's like wanting to try and like talk over the top of us. And we kept saying to him, mate, we're trying to have a, we're trying to talk. Like, just give us a minute. Like, you know, not to talk over the top of us. Like, just give us a minute. Cause you know, like every time you have a talk with, you, with your wife or whatever, yeah. your kids automatically have so much shit they want to talk about. <laughs> and he's like, but you keep stopping. And I'm like, I'm taking a fucking breath, mate. Like, just give me a second. <laughs> uh, yeah. So your hobbies, it, are they monetizable? And should you monetize them? And I think there's a big difference between turning your hobby into uh, something that can potentially make a little bit of money and something that like is full-timeable or like actually pays the bills. And I think, you know, trying to sell, if you enjoy making bowls on a lathe and you just want to make the bowls, and you've got 500 bowls now. you got to go, i got to do something about all the goddamn bowls in my house. Well, yeah, it makes sense to f- try and sell them, right? Or give them away if you don't, if you're financially independent, right? But if you want to, like, kind of pay for the next bowl, I get that. But it yeah. gets to a point, if you're making, if you're starting to get requests, and you're getting, like, you're getting to this point where, you can't handle, you can't keep up with it. I think it becomes problematic. And I think it stops mm-hmm. being a hobby. And it stops yep. being that that thing that, that lets you get away. And it starts being another stressor in your life, potentially. And not a positive stressor. Yeah, definitely. Well, and I, I think a lot of the issue is that uh, trying to make money from a hobby goes one of two ways. 
either it goes really well and you are just sort of overloaded and you're able to scale up and make it into a business or it's just kind of crickets and you can't really find your audience. And the, the worst part about the first one is that a lot of people don't understand how to scale up properly. And that's when it all falls apart. Like that's when it fell apart for me because it was, yeah, I wasn't setting the right sort of like standards for everything. I didn't really take my own mental well-being into health, like the business plan, I guess. I was just like, I'm going to get it all done and it's going to happen. And it's going to happen. But yeah, it's, I don't know. It's a, yeah, it's a very steep jump from like making a little money on the side on like Instagram to like, oh shit, I have a lot of orders to fill and how do I do this? And I think that's a big thing between products and services. So like making content is a service, mm-hmm. right? If a hundred people see my video or a million people see my video, I made that one video. And it's great yeah. that that video can go everywhere, right? If you make one embroidery thing and then a hundred people order it, well, that becomes problematic. You only have so oh, much my time. God. Yep. That was me and the not today Satan embroidery for like yeah. two years. Ooh. I feel like I feel like I I definitely don't want to give up content creation. Um, and like primarily when I talk about like this topic, I'm talking about content creation. But I feel like I tried to get myself into the wrong content creation for me. So like YouTube videos, I feel like I feel like that's a lot of pressure on myself and i'm sure everyone that's done youtube has gone through it i'm not saying i'm the only one but i feel like like the short form stuff is more what i can get into because all i need to do is take some progress shots along the way maybe some panning video shots or anything like that but you can i feel like you can make things a lot more interesting in like a minute like quickly cutting between it as opposed to trying to make a full youtube video interesting like i that's something i've always struggled with is like how do I get, how do I make, unscrew this, put this on there, screw this back on, interesting. Like Great. literally four steps. You know what I mean? Like like this desk, yeah, it's going to be, I reckon it'll be a really cool reel, but if I try to make it a YouTube video, I took the top off, I put a new top on, and I painted the legs. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's nothing to it. And you were doing like, like some really cool... I don't know, you called it like B-roll stuff. And I never liked B-roll because I'm like, it's not B-roll when you're making the thing. And the subject of yeah. the thing is B-roll, like, whatever. You were doing some really cool, like, I remember you you, you got really into like that editing. and The and, one with the and, plagium, yeah. Yeah. Like, you did yeah. some really cool stuff with that. And I think that would be a really good reel. Exactly. Exactly. And it didn't work well as a YouTube video because people with a YouTube video are expecting... I don't know what, but they're not expecting that. Yeah. Well, and I, so I'm curious about this. When you make a video for YouTube, do you have a minimum time that you're shooting for? Like, is that another thing added onto it? I, I personally don't. I try to aim for like 10 minutes because that's what people recommend. But okay. whatever it comes out as, what it comes out as to me. I don't, I don't actually really look at how long it goes for. But if I get to 10 minutes, I, I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah, I'm always curious about that because I always see people talking online about the optimal YouTube video, like length. I also, but in saying that, I try not to make a video that goes for like two minutes. Yeah. So I try to make the video the length the video needs to be to tell the story Mm. I want to tell. 
And the unfortunate part is YouTube says, I'd like your videos to actually be four or five times longer than that. Uh, Right. Like I make an eight minute video and they're like, Oh, eight eight minutes is no longer the number. We want them to be 16 to 20 minutes. Right. And then you'll get 500,000 views. And I see, and I'm like, the, the most frustrating part is I make a video and it's four minutes long, 50% at like view retention. Then I make another video, eight minutes long, 50%. I'm like, okay, I'll make a 12-minute video, 50%. I'm like, can you guys just watch more of my video? You're watching more of my video. Just I made it this long because I wanted it to be this long. Just watch it. It's, it's funny. Um, so one of my favorite YouTube channels, everyone's going to judge me, I don't give a fuck, is Sidemen, which is like these seven guys in the UK, and they do – stupid videos but like most of their videos go for like an hour and a half and every time one comes out i'm like oh yeah cool i got an hour and a half video to watch and then they'll bring they'll every now and then they'll put out one that goes for like half an hour and i'm like what the fuck why is there only half an hour this <laughs> like, I, I watch 30 to 40 minute videos on the regular mm-hmm. but they're not maker videos yeah no 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 this isn't not only make it if videos. if it's a maker video and it's 40 minutes long, I don't watch it. If it's 30 minutes long, I don't watch it. If it's 20 minutes long, I yeah. got to really like that mm-hmm. person. If it's 10 minutes, I start going in the watch it. If it's five minutes, I'll watch anything in five minutes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, I'll watch like 15 of someone's videos in five minutes. But if they're a 20-minute mm-hmm. video, like, I stopped following a few people because they started making only 20-minute videos. And they've blown up since then. And I'm like... That's a, that's a, see that's what as like I said that's where I always struggled was trying to get that story that goes for that long because like you make a cabinet okay I made a box I put some doors on it's done like how do you make that go for twenty minutes I have never <laughs> been able to do it I don't understand and I have a problem because like and I know this is definitely a problem and we're kind of like off topic a little bit but oh. I know the story so when I'm editing it I want it faster mm. I want it faster and faster and faster. Because I know the story. And it's the same problem. Like, I, I've always condensed everything to, like, the minimum viable product to tell it. And you lose a little bit of flavor that way. But I, so I, I watched a, a TikTok the other day about this. It was like a joke. And it's like, this guy looks at himself and says, Wow, this food is amazing. I thought you said you can't cook. And the guy says, well, I I can cook. I just don't cook because it's not a good return on investment. And the guy <laughs> says, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, like, I, it took me an hour and a half to make this meal and five minutes to eat or whatever. And the guy says, yeah, okay. He's like. And if I had a hungry man dinner, it would take three minutes and the same amount of time to eat it. And it would be 80% as good. He went, eh. <laughs> went, that's what I'm talking about. Like it, And it makes sense to me. Like I, I, That's how I think. It's like, oh, I hate cooking because I don't see the return on that. And, and I feel it's, real, it's really, really inefficient to cook for a, a singular family. I, when I worked in a restaurant, I liked cooking because it, it was like everything was like laid out and, and like the fun part was like mashing it all together to make it work with all the other things coming down. And it was like 
finding the little bits of efficiencies that you could while you're doing it. But cooking for myself, I hate. I hate doing it. So speaking of this week's sponsor, HelloFresh, Grant must like things like HelloFresh. No, we we don't. You know what? We don't actually do sponsors. sponsors because... We have amazing Patreon supporters mm-hmm. like the ones uh, at the F-Clamp level. I'm going to mention specifically Brent Jarvis from Clean Cut Woodworking, Vincent Ferrari from Digitally Creative, Scott from Dad It Yourself DIY, Joe Herdina, Lawrence from Maritime Knife Supply, Rich from Low End Design, and David Wood from DW Woodwilds. And there is a whole bunch of other people who support us. And I want to say thank you very much to all of them because without you guys – you know, I, I get this is our little hobby podcast, and we are trying to make it into a bit of a business. That would be nice. No, we're not actually trying that hard. But we do really appreciate because there's things like we have a website, and that website costs money. And uh, without your support, we wouldn't have it. And then we wouldn't be able to host things like the Clamp Challenge, which we might need to start talking about again for the 2023 Clamp Challenge. Yeah. Um, but – all that to say is everyone who supports this gets, no matter the level, as low as a dollar, gets uh, access to the pre-show and the after-show. The pre-show, if you didn't know, we talk about what we've been up to this week, uh, as well as you know sometimes some fun stuff. Um, and then the after-show, we sometimes talk about secret stuff. And uh, everyone, of course, also gets a keychain, a leather keychain made by me. I just sent one out in the mail earlier this week. And you can sign up for that at patreon.com slash clamp. And I'd like to say, I understand if you can't support us on, on, you know, financially, I appreciate everyone who listens, everyone who shares the show and all that. I just, I really appreciate you all. And with that, yep, y'all are awesome. Clamp Mendations. Clamp Mendations. All right. So for this week, my Clamp Mendation is the Horror Virgin podcast. Um, It's all about horror movies. And basically the premise is that Todd hates horror movies and Paige and Mikey love them and they forced Todd to watch it. Uh, And it's wonderful. It's sort of like my comfort podcast. It's the one I always listen to when I don't have anything new on my list. Like I just go back and back to it. And then they are probably the people I've supported on Patreon the longest. Their content is just amazing. So if you like horror movies and you like comedy, I say go for it because I probably listened to their whole catalog in about six months. Wow. Do you like crime podcasts? I used to, but some, I don't know, something happened and I just got... I got tired of true crime, and so I haven't listened to a lot. But that used to be my primary thing. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like the same. I, I was obsessed, and then I kind of sort of haven't listened in a while. But there's so many reels of, like, the the famous one, like the Australian guy. I can't remember what it's called. Oh, Case File. Case yeah. Case I file. love that one. Like, yeah, so many, like, it's like what people think I'm listening to while I fold the washing, and it's like some music, and it's like <laughs> so-and-so stabbed so-and-so. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> if only I had been on Instagram and making embroidery videos around that time, I could have had like 20 yeah. of those. Well, my claimination for this week is a little bit of a cop out, but not. I've actually been really obsessed with watching Nerdforge. Um, speaking of getting into hobbies, <laughs> I would love to, like, I wish I had a talent like her. Like that 
making those castles and miniatures and stuff yeah. is so She's freaking cool. Amazing. Like, it's amazing. Mm. So cool. And I do actually want to get into 3D printing stuff and painting it. So getting onto that. But her latest video, I lost my finger, so I made another one. It's really cool, and it's really cool. Like she's she talks about her like the story of how she lost her finger was a table saw accident, so it was actually relatable a little bit. Oh wow! But it was so funny reading the comments of people being like, "How did we never notice she was missing her pinky?" I never noticed. Like, yeah, I never noticed. <laughs> and I went back to like a video from five years ago. It's missing. <laughs> it's it's insane. Like. Everyone, like all the comments, like her, her personality is so bubbly that we didn't even notice that her finger was missing. Like, it's just nuts. <laughs> and I, I thought, oh, maybe she always tries to hide it, but I've been watching like a lot of her older videos and like it's right there. Like her hand is right in front, like in the middle of the frame and just you just don't notice it. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, that, yeah, that is nuts. I have been following her forever, had no idea and hadn't watched that video yet. So, wow. Yeah. Oh, great same uh, personality. I, what what did oh, I say? No, well, I'd say most people aren't looking at her personality when they're missing her finger. That's all I'm saying. Because that most people don't look at people's personality if they're missing something. Oh, I understand what you're saying. So there's actually a really funny ad, and it's a ad where there's a guy missing a tooth, and the mm-hmm. ad is. If you think dentistry is like a waste of time or whatever, it's funny because you notice this guy's tooth when in reality he's actually also missing a eyebrow. And then you look and you go, fuck, the guy's also missing an eyebrow. <laughs> but all I saw was the tooth, right? Because you it's, like it's the whole, we focus in on certain things, right? Yeah. It's the whole gorilla walking through the frame video. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah. her personality. You know what? We should invite Nerd Forge on. I want to talk to them. Yes. Reach out to them. Do it. Get on. Yeah, it, I mean, Adam. Her, her partner, you're the you're the guy. Her partner, I can't oh, remember his name. Okay. He's he's really good as well. Like he's right. amazing at the work he does. He mm-hmm. does he does mainly like the background, like the um the electronic side of it and all that sort of stuff. But he yeah. also does some painting and stuff as well if she needs help. But he's like really talented as well. Yeah. And then her they- friend that does the that actually paints miniatures. Like her Instagram is insane. And like their thought process between making like how, why to make a video and stuff like that is really, really good. I think really good. Yeah. And I'd love to have them on to talk. So if you guys are listening, I'd love to, you, (laughs) not you guys, if you people are listening, I don't know. If you people, (laughs) if y'all are listening, if y'all are listening, I'll turn Southern. I would love to everyone, have you on. Okay. Everyone bombarded. Edit that out, Adam. Edit it out. Edit it out. I would like to recommend everyone go check out Tom Silva. If you know, if that name sounds familiar to you, it's because uh, he was from this old house. I think he's still on it. Um, but he actually has a really good Instagram and TikTok where he does like the fun, catchy stuff that you would expect a teenager to do. But he's not a teenager, and he just has really fun like reels and uh, TikToks and whatever. So we'll link his uh, – and I'd love to have Tom Silva on if anyone knows how to get in touch with him and have him on a podcast. That would be like having uh, one of your childhood heroes on your podcast. <laughs> I, I remember watching him. Yeah, I remember watching that as a kid. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, it was like watching the this old house and, and – 
uh, shade tree mechanic and and trucks and the power block TV. Anyways, lots of those like Spike TV and and PBS. It was like how you you spent your weekend flipping between the two. Um, anyways, go check it out. He he's got some great reels and they're funny. So. Oh my god, there's a reel of him going through Home Depot on a Segway pushing a trolley. Oh yeah. <laughs> so good. Uh, what is He's this old house? Ones. I hear about it all the time. Uh, it's just like a TV show. Yeah, like what a home improvement cool, sort of thing. Yeah, it's okay. like every episode they like, you know, are fixing something different a lot of the time. Or they'll walk is through like, like different house, like techniques or stuff. <laughs> oh, what? That makes me... Th- what? There is a Canadian show about a contractor and I cannot remember the name of it. Mike Holmes? Yes, Mike Holmes. I love that guy. <laughs> I don't know. He just popped up into my head when we were talking about that. I love that yeah. show. I'd love to have him on the show too. If anyone <laughs> knows Mike Holmes, I'd love to have him. Uh, Holmes on Holmes and, and all that mm-hmm. stuff. That was mandatory viewing in my house growing up. Yeah, that's the good shit. Yeah. So, anyways, we have an Ask Jesse Anything. Uh, it's from Bryce over at Waffle Beaver. He says, what is a pet peeve you observe when reading Instructables? So, I have a lot. And I had to think about this for a while. But I, I think I've determined that my major pet peeve is when a person just launches into the product. Or not the product, but the project without telling you why what it does, like, what is the purpose of this thing? Um, there are so many times where I'm reading through an instructable and I'm like piecing it together as I go. And then like, maybe they'll have a video at the end and I finally understand, but it took me 10, 15 minutes to understand when they could have just told me <laughs> in the right. like, you know, intro of the instructable. So yeah, I would say just people assuming that everyone is following their thought process <laughs> and that, you know, they just jump right in. I feel like it's really important to give context because you never know who your reader is. Like, I don't know. I just think people assuming that everyone is at the same level of expertise as them is uh, not good. <laughs> so, yeah, I like a lot of context and a lot of explanation right up front. That's I like it. interesting because that's kind of, I think, why I struggled so much with making YouTube videos was that I just assumed that people knew what they were doing and it's like, yeah, I made a box. Everyone knows how to make a box. <laughs> so. But it's even even more than that. Why did you make the box? And you know why you made the box. But the, yeah. you're assuming your audience understands why you're making the box. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and we I feel always like- say stories. Like we want people to tell stories through the instructable, which mm-hmm. sounds really silly, but like I think it's the best way to connect with the reader. And and I feel like that's the problem with short form content is we've lost a lot of those stories because it's difficult. Yeah. It's not impossible. It's, it's more difficult to put a story in sixty seconds mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. it is in twenty minutes. Anyways. Adam, do you have a slang of the week? I do. We're going to do the last three of Jared's. Oh. Um, all right. So first one is a brolly. Okay. Don't do three. Do one. And we'll. Cu- I'll forget <laughs> by next week. Don't worry. A brolly. Do a brolly. No, because we got to 
it's the whole thing. You gotta go, gotta get get this thing of the week going for more than one week. So a brawly. I was gonna finish it after this week, but okay. No, we got the okay a brawly. Brawly, use it. Use it in a sentence, please. I could, but it's gonna give it away. Well, that's why I asked for that hint. I'm gonna say a wheelbarrow because I have no idea. <laughs> okay. If this rain keeps going, I'm going to need to get out the brolly. If this brain? Rain. Shop vac? Oh, uh, umbrella. 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 Oh, no? Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. That makes so much right. more sense. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you got Wilbur, but... Well, because oh, I was I'm... thinking trolley, dolly, like oh, okay. moving yeah, okay. that things. Makes sense. Yep. Like, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, when you said a brawly, I was like, "What? What can you combine a like dolly with uh, <laughs> something with a B?" And so I wheelbarrow brawly. I like it. I think you know. See, what? I guess that's, I guess because I know the answer. Right in my head, I'm like, "It's a bra brella." So he's like bra brawly. Yeah, you <laughs> Aussie slang does not make or like. Is this one from Australia actually? I can't yeah. remember. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. yeah. So, sometimes it makes perfect sense, and sometimes I have no idea. Well, the one that I'm now going to do next week is my favorite. Okay. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. Um, I want to thank TF Turning for the theme song. If you like the theme song, let us know. If you don't like it, let him know. Um, <laughs> I want to, uh, yeah, let everyone know. We're going to start this new thing. It's called Any Other Business. And that in any other business, we might refer to a previous episode um, and some comments we got from listeners or some, uh, you know, answers that we want to give to listeners. And in this case, I'm going to be talking about uh, something that Waffle Beaver, who, who was the Ask Jesse Anything, he actually messaged us on the Instagram and talked about this thing called uh, limbic friction. And it's the gap between wanting to do something and actually doing that thing. And it I is feel like a, it could be a really uh, cool topic. Yeah. Well, it, it is. It's what we talked about with, you know, are you wasting? It's a, it's a part of like, are you wasting your day? Um, yeah. Adam, really, you got to stop moving your microphone around. <laughs> Sorry. My back's uh, Yeah, just don't move it. Um, so it, it's a really cool thing. It's, uh, I can't remember the name of the person who came up with this term. But it's a really interesting thing of, of like, I feel like I have a lot of limbic friction because I want to do things and I don't actually do them often Yep. because I get mm-hmm. in this like problem uh, of like this executive dysfunction problem of like just sitting there not doing the thing until I have an external thing that, that pushes me. Um, anyways, it's just an interesting uh, thing that I thought deserved a little shout out uh, after our previous episode with with Jeremy. Yeah, I like the term. Yeah. I've never heard that before. Limbic friction. Yeah, yeah that's good. <laughs> as soon as you said it, all I kept thinking about was the fact that I would love to do what Nerd Forge is doing. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, you'd like to cut off your your pinky finger and. No. To make a new one. I'm trying to cut off my finger again. 
Yeah. Literally a centimetre down from where I went to hospital for slicing my finger with a Stanley knife. I cut it again today oh with a Stanley knife. But it's only because I was I was trying to fix my car and I got really frustrated. I threw a tantrum. And, yeah. <laughs> oh. well, let's, let's no tantrums with, with sharp objects. <laughs> let's let's try let's talk about that in the after show. Yeah. Deal. All right. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.